I'm going to speak from a personal, personal basis. I, I can sing that song as simple as it is. I could sing that chorus over and over and over and over. And just let it be a prayer from my heart that, that Jesus draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. Um, if, if I can get to that point, if all of us can get to that point, to be able to just honestly say to God, I just want to be closer to you. And let, let this whole world fade away. And I'm not saying don't take me out of it. Just permeate into my life and allow my life to be permeated into yours in such a way that the, the world around me, it's, it's, it's all about God. And, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning as well. What I'm going to talk about this morning when we read this little passage from Matthew chapter 22 and, and a sermon that I called, you know, what are we giving? Um, and so... You, you look at this sermon title and say, you know, Matthew 22, 15 to 22, and Ralph has all kinds of money up on the screen, a $100 bill, and, you know, there's some euros and some Chinese yen and other currency that's sitting there. But um, don't, get, don't get swayed and don't get pulled away right away because Ralph's not going to talk about money this morning. Um, for me to talk about what are we given and preach a sermon on, on money, I would just be preaching to the choir. I would just be telling you something that you already know and that the Holy Spirit, I believe, convicts each of our hearts are and where we're at with our finances. And I want to talk this morning that, about giving that is so much bigger, so much bigger than money. Uh, and it goes back to that course of Jesus draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. Um, and we find ourselves that way. So hopefully you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. I do encourage you, um, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it. If you'd like to use an electronic one, that's fine. Um, my only challenge is I have not been able to write on the side of my iPhone or my tablet with my pen. And sometimes that makes the screen a little messy when I do that. But at the same time, I know that there are some apps out there that let you take notes um, so whichever is your choice. But I do encourage you to open up God's Word, to read along with me, and to read God's Word. Matthew 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we go to look to your word this morning to understand what it means to give to God what is God's. I ask that as we look to your word and allow your word to permeate into our lives, that you do speak to us, that you renew our minds, 
from the reading of your word. That you instruct us and you guide us. That your Holy Spirit brings the word alive into our souls and into our hearts. Help us, Lord, this morning to know that we can give to you that you desire what we give to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So we can start off, and I just want to give you a little bit of background about the passage and about some of the people that are in our passage before we get into this uh, a whole lot. Uh, We have the Pharisees, the two characters that we have that we're told about are the Pharisees in verse 15, and they're going to lay a trap for Jesus and try and trap him in his words. And then we get along with, in verse 16, uh, they sent the disciples of the Pharisees, uh, along with them, the, the Herodians. There's a reality that the Pharisees and the Herodians do not get along. But when you have a common enemy, and so as the Pharisees hate the Herodians, they hate Jesus a whole lot more. And so if I'm going to go and trap Jesus, I might as well get my common, get my enemy and go after a common enemy that we hate even more and try and destroy them. And so they're going to make this attempt at trapping Jesus in his words. And so as the Herodians come to him and start asking these questions, they start buttering him up, uh, trying to soften the blow if they would, and they start speaking these wonderful words about Jesus in verse 16 and all the great things that he is. Uh, so one immediate lesson for us that we can grab out of this, if you want to walk away with something this morning and take the lesson of what the Herodians say to Jesus, where they say to him, Teacher, We know that you're a man of integrity. If you want to take four things we can grab real quick. He's a man of integrity, and they're not lying about these things. He says then, number two, that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. There's number two. And you aren't swayed by men. There's number three in there. And you pay no, because you pay no attention to who they are. There's four things. If we could take actually those four things and walk away and say we're good for the day, our lives will be so, so much better. Think, think about the four things that were just said about Jesus that we can pour into our own lives. One, you're a man of integrity. Two, you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You can't teach the truth if you don't know the truth. So he, Jesus knows the truth and he teaches the way of God from it. So man of integrity teaches the way of God in accordance with the truth, not swayed by others, and you pay no attention to who they are. In other words, if someone's rich, if someone's poor, if someone's well-dressed, if they're not well-dressed, if they're in sin, if they're out of sin, it doesn't matter to Jesus. Uh, he shoots straight with every single person, and, and they, the, the arrows fly the same, so it didn't matter what stature you were in life. Jesus, he shot straight with you. He wasn't swayed by men, if you would. And so... We have those four things. If we could put those into our lives, think about it. If we could walk with integrity in our lives, being truthful and honest and forthright with other people, walk with integrity. If we were at a point where we could teach the way of God according to the truth and put that into our lives and then not swayed by others. It doesn't matter how much you want to bribe me. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what our country would be like if people were not swayed by others? by political polls or by influencing or by lobbyists or who's going to take me out to the biggest steak dinner tonight. If we were not swayed by... Could you imagine what our world would be like? 
so much different. And, and our lives should not be swayed by men. We should not be influenced in those kinds of ways. And if I could put into my life, pay no attention to who you are. doesn't matter how you look, how you dress, how much money you have, whatever you can give to me or I can give to you, it doesn't matter. I'm going to treat everybody the same. Great qualities. That's, a, that's how they start to butter Jesus up, but they give us some truths about Jesus that we can apply to our lives. But then we get into this other point of this of buttering Jesus up and buttering God up. Have you ever got to that point where you uttered a prayer and you say, Hey, God, this is Ralph. You know, the guy that prays every day. And, you know, I, I read the Bible almost every day. And I read that Bible through in a year. You, you know, you like that God. And, and, and God, you know, I'm, I'm being faithful to you. I, I've been studying your word real good. I've been trying to witness to others, God. And, and I, I've been doing all this great stuff for you, God. And, oh, and by the way, could you do this for me? <laughs> It doesn't fly with God. And so they tried to butter God up to get their way. And sometimes we try to butter up God to get our way. And I like the next verse. He says, you hypocrites, you evil people, why are you trying to trap me? God sees right through all of any false pretense we have when we come to God. And he sees through all of those false pretenses because he knows our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows what our evil intent or even what our good intent is. And he sees right through those. Uh, Job thirty four twenty one. his eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. If God sees my every step, I really don't have to go to him with any false pretenses. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Psalm thirty three thirteen. From from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. So if it be the Herodians, or if it be Ralph, or if it be me, going to God with any kind of deceit doesn't get anywhere. Because God sees right through to our heart. Another little lesson that's in this passage before we get to talk about giving. God's not a puppet. I can't manipulate him. I can manipulate other people. I can try to manipulate other people. I can try to do this and do this and do this, and then someone would agree with me. You know, if if I want you to do this, give you a box of chocolates, and you say, oh, he gave me a box of chocolates for doing that, and then the next time you do it, I give you another box of chocolates. I mean, let's face it, all the men show up on Father's Day because we give out candy bars. You know, so, so we show up, you know, hey, it's Father's Day. Remember, they give out candy bars on Father's Day, those big ones. You know, let's show up. And so, so men will show up on Father's Day. Well, that's, I can't manipulate God that way. And so certainly in giving to God, there's nothing I can do to manipulate Him or influence Him in such a way. And that's not what we're going to talk about in regards to giving. But with all of this and all of the, the things that come up to this point, verse 18, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. And I ask the question as my sermon title, what are we giving? What are we giving? When I ask the question, what are we giving? Uh, please don't jump the money. Money's part of the equation, but there's so much to life. So much to life that's more than money. And I want us to understand where we're at with that. So I'm going to jump around. This is not my normal way of doing a sermon, but I am going to jump around and talk about some different things that we can give to God and give us some brief little snippets of what we can give to God. And hopefully all of us can walk away with an understanding of what we give to God. And the first place I want to go is talk about our gifts. As part of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, on the day that you said, 
I am turning my life over to Jesus Christ. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. God has imparted to each and every believer spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are given to us, our gifts. And that is what God has given to us. Romans 12, 6-8, I'm going to read about spiritual gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is an encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us an even additional list. There's listed wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of languages. All of these spiritual gifts God has said to you, Happy birthday, you are now a Christian, and I am giving you this. And He gives it to us so we can give it back to God in our service. And so from my personal perspective, I want to talk about gifts a little bit because depending on your, your stage in life, you may be saying, oh, how can I serve God with my spiritual gifts? And how can I be there? And I want to give you my personal perspective. I, if you come to me and say, where does, this, is, where does it say this in the Bible? I'm not going to find where it says it in the Bible. But I'm not going to find where it doesn't say this in the Bible either. I'm going to give you what my personal experience is and what I believe my view of the church is. There are times in our lives where we are 25 years old and God gives us a gift of service. And our spiritual gift is service and we serve the kingdom of God and we put our hand to the plow and and we are serving every time the door of the church is open, we're serving. Anytime there's a work effort, we're serving. When when someone needs help in working on their house, we're there helping, working on their house. We're, We're doing whatever we can to serve and we are there. But when we're 45 years old, and that call goes out, our heart's not necessarily there. And why, why I believe this is because at a certain point in our lives, God may give us a gift of service, but at another point in our lives, God might give us a gift of teaching. And He says, thank you very much, Ralph, for serving in such a way, but now I want you to teach. And you've matured in your faith, and, and you've come in your faith. And here, here, Ralph, here's a gift of teaching. Go teach. And I believe that God gives us different gifts at different stages of our lives. He doesn't just say, happy birthday, you're a Christian and here's your gift and you're stuck with it and you live with it. At different stages, He gives it to our lives. At certain points in our lives, we become mature in our faith and He gives us a gift of prophecy to be able to speak the word of truth into other people's lives so they can grow in their faith. And we may be 75 years old and we, no, we can't put our hand to the plow and we can't go out and fix somebody else's house anymore. But God says, yeah, but look at where you've come in your faith and I need you to go speak prophetically into other people's lives and bring the truth of God into their lives. And the question becomes, are we faithful in doing what God has called us to do? When we're 70 years old or even when we're 80 years old, God may say, hey, it's time to stop teaching, but now it's time to really focus on prayer. And you've been given the gift of intercession where you spend your time lifting up other believers. You could get to a point in your life where God gives you a gift of encouragement, where you can no longer see yourself teaching or or leading, but you may have a gift of encouragement and you're, you're handing out cards every week and encouraging other people. So at no point do I want any believer at whatever stage in your life, don't step back and say, well, my gift is is gone and that ship has sailed. Ask God to reveal to you what is the gift that you've given to me so I can serve you and allow God to use us in a mighty way for Him. And the question comes back, what am I giving to God? What am I giving to God? The key with our gifts that is given to us is are we using them? And I've 
for many years have held to this premise and I'll continue to hold to this premise. There are things that we do outside of this church and I encourage every believer that is part of Greenspring Brethren in Christ to be part of our community and to serve other people in our community. But I know from the Word of God that our spiritual gifts are designed to serve the church of God. And so if I take my spiritual gift and I say my spiritual gift is serving and I'm serving in the Lions Club and that's what I do, Pastor Ralph. I serve in the Lions Club. I'm there every week faithfully and every time they have an activity, I'm there and I'm serving. My question back to you is in how are you using that spiritual gift for the kingdom of God to the church? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells me that the gifts that God has given to us are used for the building up of the body of believers. And, and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about our church and the church at large, even greater than our church, being a body and where there is a head and arms and feet and toes and every aspect of the body. And, and in the same passage, it talks about our gifts. It talks about our bodies and where they all come together to service together and come together to be a corporate church together. And so if we're not serving inside the body of Christ in some way, in some fashion, allowing our spiritual gifts to flow forth into the body of Christ, we are missing what God has called us to do. And it's the reason why somebody says to me and says, well, I can be a Christian and I don't have to be part of any church and I can be a Christian. Yeah, you can be a Christian, but you're being a big disobedient Christian because God's gifted you with things to serve in the church. And how can you be a Christian if you're not part of any church? And that's why I truly believe that inside the church in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Hebrews where it says that we should not forsake the gathering of the saints together, it's because that's where we exercise and use the gifts that God has given to us. And so whether we are homebound and we continue to reach out to the church and the believers and our family and those that are around us and, and use our gifts in that way, or if we're able to get out into a physical church, we continue to use our gifts that God has given to us to reach the church and use them in a wise way. Where are we given to God? What are we given to God? We must find ourselves giving our gifts to God and pleasing God. From our gifts, I want to go on to talents. Because I don't want to get anyone ever confused about our talents. Let me tell you this morning, beautiful worship. I thank the worship team for leading us this morning, for giving us beautiful worship. But that singing, the guitar playing, they're not spiritual gifts. I don't want to disappoint anybody that has a talent but they're not spiritual gifts. They can be used in a spiritual way, but they're not spiritual gifts. See, some people can run fast, and some people can run slow. Some people can get into the kitchen, and they can whip up a beautiful, tasteful meal out of what would seem to be scraps of food, and other people can burn water in a pot. Some people can, some people can sing a beautiful sonnet to God, and other people, you might as well just sit upon it and not sing a word. Some people can pick up drumsticks and play the drums. And all by themselves, it's a worship to God. And other people, it's like, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> We're, it's hurting our ears. These are talents that are given to creation, to people in all of creation whether you're a Christian believer or not. Let's face the reality. There are some wonderful, wonderful, talent, talented people who are making music today. But I would never want to hear that, work, that music on Sunday morning 
as part of my worship. There are some wonderful, wonderful, talented people who can memorize, memorize huge amounts of words. And they're out there making movies. Movies that we would definitely never want to put on the screen here in our church. Yet at the same time, I know that there are wonderful, wonderful musicians who are singing and praising God and leading thousands in worship to God and leading hundreds in worship to God. And I know that there are people who have the talent of memorizing the Word of God who are out sharing the gospel message and sharing the Word of God by reciting entire books of the Bible from heart. There are talents that God has given to each and every one of us. I don't know what your talent is, but I need to know what my talent is. And where we take our talents and what we do with our talents goes back to the question of what are we giving to God. Because this is what I've been born with. And if you can look at a, a massive problem and then say, well, if you do this, 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 and this, the problem will be fixed, then use your talent for God. And if your talent is just smiling to somebody else and lifting up somebody else's spirit, then use your talent for God. But don't waste the talent by discounting it and walking away from God. I want to give you another... Here's a practical example of a talent. Two two summers ago, if you remember, we had an eight-foot-wide tree growing on our stage. Well, it wasn't really growing, but it looked like it was growing. Eight foot wide. We had all kinds of animals on the stage. It looked like an African safari that was up on our stage. If you go upstairs to the children's chapel, you can see all of those animals. We had to get rid of the eight foot tree. It was just too big. It, it did not fit through the door. We had to cut it in half to bring it through the doors of the church. I can't do that. And almost all of it was all built with pieces of scrap. Stuff that people throw in the trash. Yet Laura can take those things, throw some paint on it, look at a piece of rubber hose and say, well, someone threw that away, but I can make that a branch on a tree. And and use the talent given by God to her to take scrap, trash, and turn it into a beautiful, beautiful vacation Bible school set. That's talent using it for God. Now, Laura, at any given point, could say, well, I'm just tired of that church thing, and I'll use my talent to decorate people's houses. And she can do that. But I would say it's not giving to God what her talent is. And so what God has given to us, we need to find ourselves using them for God. You know, when Moses was walking around in the desert taking care of sheep, I don't think he was doing anything bad. For 40 years he grew up in Egypt and he learned all about the Egyptian ways and he learned about the ways of war. He was educated in the Egyptian ways, but at the age of 40 he he, he had to flee for his life. He was thrown out of Egypt, his name stricken from the books. And so the next 40 years he's wandering around in the desert taking care of sheep with his staff. Saying, go this way sheep, go that way sheep, watering the sheep, going to bed at night, getting up in the morning, married his wife having a wonderful time, has a couple kids. He wasn't doing anything bad. But Moses' talent was being wasted in the desert. He was being wasted in the desert. 
And it took an experience with God where God came to him in a burning bush, lit up before him. Something drew him to that moment. And it was a burning bush. And that happens in all of our lives where something comes into our lives and draws us to a moment where we say, Oh God, what am I doing? And he says, Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Come on, Moses, let's get busy. And I put it in my own words and paraphrase. Moses, you got work to do. And it's not. It's not in the desert taking care of sheep. You had 40 years there and now you have 40 years here. Get back there and take care of my people and lead them to freedom. And Moses said, well, the only thing I got is my staff. And he says, well, throw your staff on the ground. That's what you got? Then let's use it. Turns it into a snake. Moses picks it back up and it turns into a staff. And God says, go now, go back. Go back. With everything that you have learned, with all of your talents, with your staff, the only thing that you have in your hand, go back and set my people free. And that's what God speaks to us about our talents. Stop wasting the talents in the desert and take your talents and use them for for God. And every time a worship team person stands up here and leads in worship, they're using their talent for God. But I want to tell you, every time someone scrubs the gym floor, they're using their talent for God. Every time someone who is very enthusiastic, someone who is an outgoing person, an extrovert, stands at the ice cream shop in Newville and witnesses to the person that's in line behind them, they're using their talent for God because God made them an extrovert where they'll engage in a conversation with anybody. Don't waste your talents in the desert. Start using them for God. I want to move on to your gifts, your talents, and move on to your praise. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 42, 5. Psalm 146.2, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, did you get this one? Whatever you, whenever you, so what, what, I'll get it right. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's a big one for us. Give your praise to God. So what, if I'm eating, if I'm drinking, I'm giving my praise to God. We are created to be a people. Our purpose is to glorify God with our lives. To praise God and to lift Him up. What we do in worship on a Sunday morning and praise God, that is what we are intended to do. But it doesn't start and stop with the 20 minutes of worship we have. It continues throughout our life because whether we're eating or drinking, whatever you do, you glorify God. And our praise from God continues with every aspect of our lives. When we ask ourselves if we're given to God, given to God with our praise... We either find ourselves glorifying God or glorifying ourselves. And when I look at something and I say, wow, I did a great job, I'm glorifying myself. But if I look at something and say, thank you, God, for giving me the the talent and the energy and the gift to do a great job, then I'm giving the glory to God. And one keeps wanting to lift myself up, and I'm right there and I want to do it all the time and lift myself up and say, oh, Ralph, you're so important. And God says, no, I'm so important, Ralph. Get back down where you belong and, and lift me up and lift me up so I can draw all men unto me. Because I'm not going to draw anybody to God. God will do that by using me. And He'll do the same with you. 
And so we don't need to build ourselves up. We need to praise God for everything. I can humble myself in the sight of the Lord, giving Him all the glory, and He will then lift us up. But if I lift myself up, all I am is an inflated balloon and it's going to pop. I want to give a very long song for you. If you want to sing in your heart, go ahead. One of these times someone's going to break out in song and I'm going to have to stop and wait for everybody to finish singing. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Ever Know that song? I know some people know it. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. I always want to sing, like a shepherd, like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children in his arms. He carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer. For our sins, he suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus, the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus, who bore our sorrow. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent grace, greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals, loud with Hosanna's ring. I love this song. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world, victorious. Power and glory Unto the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Where is our praise going? Are we taking time to praise God for the small things and the big things as well? Am I praising Him for all of the accomplishments that I have been able to make? Am I attempting to bring God down to me? Or am I lifting God up because He's so wonderful? When I'm praising God what He's done for me, then I'm lifting Him up and I'm allowing Him to draw others to Himself. I'm going to keep moving on. The last one, your gifts, your talents, your praise, and your time. Time's precious. If you didn't figure it out, we have 24 hours today. That's all you get. 24 hours. This week, you will only get 168 of them. Check my math. 7 times 24 is 168. If you really want to stretch things, 10,080 minutes. 10,080 minutes. That's all you get in a week. Time is precious. Precious. The question becomes, where is that time spent? As Americans, we spend countless hours, countless hours on average, watching TV. Just vegging in front of the TV. I don't know about you, but my phone beeps on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings, right about 9, 10, my watch beeps. It says, your screen time this week averaged, and it gives you that little caution. Your screen time was up, and it was 2 hours and 14 minutes a day this week on average. Now, I look at it, and I understand my screen time's a lot of time. Listen to podcasts and other things, not necessarily looking at it. But it makes me stop and think, wow, that's a lot of time spent on a phone every day, looking at an iPad or a tablet. We spend time... Some people just spend time sitting there and worrying. They're not doing anything, but they're worrying about what tomorrow is going to bring. Some people just spend hours a day daydreaming. Each of us has our own time vices. The question becomes, how much of our time does God get? Before you answer that question, don't, don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. Because whether I'm eating or drinking or whatever I do, 
I give God the glory. Now think about that. Whether I'm eating or drinking, and whatever I do, I should be glorifying God. And when I talk about our time, this is where we want to look. This is how we want to take our lives. We want to take our lives and compartmentalize them. In the morning, God gets 15 minutes. I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes. Then I'm going to spend 10 minutes in prayer. Then my commute to work is going to be 37 minutes. The phone even beeps and tells me that. It will be 37 minutes until you... How does the phone know where I'm driving in the morning? But it knows. Do you know when I leave here today, my phone will beep and it'll be... It'll say, it is seven minutes until until you reach your home. See, we compartmentalize. Everything is a little slot in time. A little chunk of time. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with my wife this evening and we're going to talk about nothing. I'm going to spend another 45 minutes and watch that TV show and fast forward past the commercials. I'm going, to, I'm going to go in. And we compartmentalize. That's how we live our lives. And God says, that's not the way I want you to live your life. That's not how I want you to live your life. I want to give you a scripture verse. It's all through the New Testament, but it's also in Deuteronomy. And I'm going to give it to you from Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Very simple verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Pretty straightforward. What does that have to do with time? When it was given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there was a lot of different aspects that were with that scripture verse. And I want you to understand the background from Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 7. This is something that we're supposed to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So we love God. But what does God say about that? He says, well, impress them on your children. So our time, our lives become consumed with God. When we sit at home, consumed with God. When we're walking with our children, consumed with God. When we walk along the road, when we fall asleep at night, when we wake up in the morning, where the Bible says, tie them, uh, tie them on your hands and on your foreheads. What, what, do we, what is our hands? It's what we do. Whenever you read that in the Bible, remember, it's not literally tie it on your hand. It's what I do, my hands. What is, what is your head? No, I need to tie them on my forehead. No, it's what do I think? See, what, what, am, I, what am I doing? Whether I'm digging a hole somewhere, whether I'm plowing a field, or whether I'm, I'm writing a computer program, or whether I'm driving a bus, what I do with my hands, I do it for God. And what I think, the things that I think about, I do them for God. So every aspect of my time becomes permeated with love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Every aspect of times. And we don't need to compartmentalize our time. God gets the entire thing. Every aspect of our life is God time. Our lives, our activities, should all soak in God and squeeze God out. I like to think of a, a, like a big sponge. 
And if my work is a big sponge, I should be so filled with God with my work that when I squeeze the sponge, God should pour out. And my television time, and it's okay to have television time, but it, it, that sponge should be so filled with God that when I squeeze my television time, God should be able to pour out of it. And when I have my, my prayer time and my Bible time, it should be so filled with God that when I squeeze the sponge, God pours out of it. And when I have my wife time and my, my, my girlfriend time or my boyfriend time, I don't have a boyfriend, I'm just sharing that for all of you lady folks that have boyfriends, God fills the sponge and when we're in that relationship and we squeeze the sponge, God should pour out into that relationship. When we're disciplining our children and we're loving on our children, some people just got that. I'm sorry, it took a while. When we're with our children and we're loving on our children and we're disciplining our children and we're playing kickball with our children, God's part of it and we squeeze the sponge and God pours out. Because what we give to God is all of us and all of our time. We need God to be part of every aspect of our time. So from this list, and I only gave you four things. Don't, don't walk away from here and say, Ralph gave us a conclusive list of everything we need to give to God. <laughs> I, I only have 20 minutes, 30 minutes, okay, 40 minutes on a Sunday morning to give you things that we can give to God. The list can keep going on and on and on and on through the Bible. We can give to God certainly our finances, our treasures. We can give to God beyond our gifts and talents and praise and time, our treasures. We can give our families as a gift to God. We can give our enthusiasm as a gift to God. We can honor God with our promises. They are a gift to God. And the scriptures are filled with things that people lay down in front of God. And the reality is we lay down our lives to God. In my entire message, I rarely talked at all about the cross, about what Jesus has done for us. Didn't much at all. There's a reality when we get to the end of the journey. And we turn around and we look. The cross is before us. The cross is behind us. The cross is there with us. Because it is at the cross that Jesus gave everything to us. Did he not? It was at the cross that he gave us the gift of salvation. I can't give to God a gift of salvation. He is a holy and righteous God who does not need to be saved. I am a lost sinner who needs the gift of God to be saved and to be set free from my sin, to be cleansed of my unrighteousness. And I need the gift of the cross. But this is how we reciprocate the cross. We find this in 1 John 3.16. We know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. Let's jump to the first John 3.16. First John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Get the connection between the two. You'll never forget this again. John 3.16. First John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. 1 John 3.16 Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives. We. Oh, us? Yes, us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
That's giving to God. That's giving to God. John 3.16, that God so loved us that He gave His one and only Son for us to die on that cross so we could have eternal life. 1 John 3.16, we reciprocate and give back to God and say, I'm going to lay down my life, all of my preferences, all of my desires, and I'm going to lay down my life for my brothers and sisters, for my friends. I'm going to give to God everything. It's whatever God asks for. That's what I give. That's what you give. That's where God has called us. God becomes the priority. God's priority stays number one in our lives. The question still sits there. What are you giving to God? Where are we giving? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And we give to God what is God's. And I know your level of giving is for us to lay down our lives. We lay down our lives so you can take them up again. So you can call us into acts of beautiful service to others. We lay down our lives of sin so our lives can be lifted back up in righteousness, your righteousness, because our righteousness is like filthy rags, means nothing. But yours is one of holiness and purity. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us that. This morning, Lord, may we find ourselves being a people who are willing to commit our lives to you. All of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our praise, all of our time, all of our love, we lay it all at your feet and say, Lord, have your way with us. May your will be done. May your will be done. We thank you, Lord, for continuing to be with us and strengthen us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the hedge of protection that you give to each and every one of us. One of us, And I ask for that. And I pray for that. And in each of our lives, we continue to have that hedge of protection around us. We find ourselves walking in humility with you, our God, serving you wholeheartedly. your blessing rest upon us as well. Thank you, Lord, for a beautiful time of worship this morning. You are drawing us close to you. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us your ways. You're wonderful, God. I know a little bit different this morning. I mean... If we can, as a church, why don't we conclude with the Lord's Prayer? I know it's not something that we normally do, and I know one Sunday school class does that. So as we conclude this morning, if we could all just join together and, and say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
our daily bread. And trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed week. May God be with you each and every step. Amen.